The battle of Britain is about to begin. Welcome back to the Lead Pursuit Podcast. We were going to have a great episode tonight. As we promised, we were going to talk tactics. This was going to be the second half of our tactics discussion. And then Brett went and hurt himself. So, uh, since he's laid up in a chair with ice on his back and his wife bringing him something alcoholic to drink, we're not going to talk tactics. Instead, we decided to talk to the organizer of the Texas Broadside event, Andy Buffard. Andy, how you doing? Doing great, Doug. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to have you on. Well, we also brought uh, Steve and Trevor, the two new guys, back on. So, welcome, new guys. Glad to be here and uh, be very mediocre about things. Yeah, back again. I'm going to have to take a little break here. I'll give, a, give the seat back to Brett and Chris next week. Yeah, <laughs> don't worry. No one is going to uh, to miss any one of us around here. So, we're always glad to have you guys pitch in. Glad to have you guys talk on the show when you can. All right, so Andy, let's talk about Texas Broadside. I, I'll be honest, I didn't even know about the event, but that's true for a lot of uh, regional events that I never know about because I live hundreds of miles away. Uh, but right now, you guys are obviously in the middle of uh, this weirdness of pandemic gaming that we're having. So tell us a little bit about um, Texas Broadside, how that's evolved, and then kind of where you are today. Sure, Doug. Uh, well, actually, it's a it's a pretty small regional event, but with big lofty goals, I suppose. Um so really, it was actually, uh, I think you know Rob Wobbenhorst, uh, and you've had him on your show. Absolutely. Uh, and Rob uh, is actually the first one to propose um, just a, a, more, a casual wargaming club that would meet one, meet one night a month here in Houston um, and, and enjoy good beer and good company and a simple, fast, and fun uh, uh, multiplayer wargame. So, you know, rather than get together... In a in a, at a cafe or restaurant or someplace, uh, and uh, everybody pair up and play whatever war game they want to play uh, that week or that month. We always agreed that we would come together and and create one multiplayer game experience, and it would be different each month depending on what system and who wanted to bring something to the table. So that started about ten years ago, uh, in 2011, and. Uh, so that, that brought together sort of a core group of people here in Houston that would meet, like I say, once a month. Well, uh, Texas Broadside came about because uh, actually in back in 2007, um, I started attending uh, Heat of Battle, which was a war game convention uh, at the National World War II Museum. And uh, it was it was couched as an event that would be played where games, where war gamers would come into a cool venue I mean, who doesn't want to play a war game uh, under the wings of an aircraft from the war or in front of a Sherman tank? It's a cool venue to, to play war games in. And so uh, in addition, the goals of the museum were that the war gaming was an education opportunity for the people coming through the museum. So it wasn't like the war gamers were in a private function space at the back of the museum where nobody saw them. We were in the galleries and in the hallways where people came uh, through the museum and they would stop and say, hey, what are you doing? And we'd explain and we'd try and teach some of the background of the battle. So, Did the museum really think through this or they're like, wait, who who got all these basement denizens and who put them out here <laughs> with gaming tables amongst all these well, people? <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and there is some of that. You know, everybody had to be on. On uh, watch their language and 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 you know be respectful. And what a part of the oh, thing was. Oh fudge! I lost another Messerschmitt. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly that. So, um, really, what happened was I came away from that uh, experience um, wanting to bring something like that to Houston. I looked around, and you know, Houston had a couple of. Um, generic game conventions, Alcon at Rice University in February every year, which has been going for 30 some odd years, um, and a couple of other smaller game conventions. But the, the closest regional war game convention 
that you could really consider a wargaming convention was Millennium Con in Austin right. every year in right. November. And uh, and uh, that was really the closest. And I always thought, well, Houston's the fourth largest city in the country. It deserves, it it should be able to 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 bring you know enough war gamers who don't have to travel that far, although it's a big city, to uh, a venue to to play. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the uh, the dynamic of the city is it doesn't have dusty old men who push little plastic figures around in their basement. So you know, <laughs> well, it might be a young and vibrant city. <laughs> you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. I've I say seen this, some and of pretty course, dusty old men. <laughs> yeah, Trevor and Steve are both younger than me, and I'm still surprised they don't have something else to do other than play these games. But yes, <laughs> we're old souls, I guess. Yeah, that's that's a good excuse. <laughs> I, I have the plaque, the the crack addiction to uh, plastic, resin, metal, anything that's detriment to my wallet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so really having. Um, uh, starting to look around Houston to to identify something similar, you know, you know, where it's I've always been a bit of an organizer, always been I I I I, uh, I call my call myself more of a war game facilitator. In fact, I probably prefer facilitating than playing, or painting uh, uh, miniatures most of the time. Hey, have uh, you ever decided you want to run the Gathering of Eagles so I can actually play in my own damn tournament? No, <laughs> that was that was my pain the last time around. So, oh, I would I, I would run a number of Flames of War tournaments at places like Alcon and Heat of Battle. So it wasn't just going to to attend. I would try to organize events, and it actually turned me on to becoming a, a, a titterant volunteer for the National World War II Museum, which is really cool. I think if I lived in New Orleans, I'd be there every weekend if my wife would permit it, but she's not gonna wouldn't have permitted yeah, so. exactly but anyway uh to make a long story short looking around the city i had i had visited the texas you know once or twice and and i'm not a native of houston i'm actually originally from southern california but we've been here i've been here since 2001 so uh looking around we saw so the ship maybe uh, there's some air conditioning spaces in the ship not very many at the time and uh, 10 years ago and so let me approach texas parks and wildlife who administered the ship and say you know and pitch this idea to them and pitched it to uh, to the, the core group of guys who who have gotten together, who I'm going to have to rely on to run games, to start with, um, for something like this. And there were really four goals set that we set for for the event. One, the first one was to give, well, not necessarily in any order, it was to give uh, Houston area wargamers anybody else who wanted to travel into the city again a cool place to play. Who doesn't want to play? a war game featuring the USS Texas, but in the wardroom of the USS Texas with a ship's bell 10 feet away. I mean, right. you know, secondly, to uh, to raise the, the publicity in terms of the hobby. So to uh, to encourage new participants in the hobby by playing these games in in the public spaces. So, again, we were in the wardroom and people would walk through the wardroom. We would they had function rooms because they had a, a great, a large, uh, they have a, a lot of scouts come and spend, for example, and other groups spend the night aboard ship. So they have some function spaces and so overnight sleeping accommodations. And so we would use those. We would feature gaming at night for those who wanted to stay overnight. We would uh, then take over whatever air conditioned uh, spaces they allowed us to take over. And we would run for two, day, for two full days, we would run six or seven war games, multiplayer war games simultaneously throughout the couple of days. And I mean, the third goal was to uh, 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 educate the public. Again, it wasn't just to promote the hobby and try and encourage kids to play and other, and other adults to get into the hobby and advertise our club, but it was also educating them just like the National World War II Museum did. And then the fourth goal was to try and raise some funds. So we appealed to Texas Parks and Wildlife. Look, we're not making any profit here. We don't charge dues. We're not that formal a club. Um, so, you know, there are no officers, as Rob will say. There are no officers. There are no dues. We just get together once a month, drink beer, and play. And so That sounds like a terrible organization a terrible to be a part organization. of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There are no bylaws. Who needs bylaws? So, you know, I, I took the lead to organize this and, and, and facilitate it and made all the contacts and make all the arrangements. And and rounded up all the GMs and built the website, did everything that I needed to do when I probably should have been painting minis to uh, to uh, to get this off off the ground. And the first year, the Texas Parks and Wildlife said, well, yeah, we'll treat this as a private function and you have to pay rent for the space. But, you know, so we were what after we subtracted costs, we didn't have a whole lot left to donate, but we basically gave over to Texas Parks and Wildlife. And he, well, actually, the Battleship Texas Foundation, which is the nonprofit. Uh, that now that now 
now has at least the control to, to manage the ship for the next 99 years because the Texas government has, 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 signed, has signed over the battleship to Texas uh, to Battleship Texas Foundation. Yeah, I, I saw that. I was surprised. I, I didn't realize it until I went to the website the other day and it, it had that yeah. notice up there. I'm like, oh, wow, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. So um, they uh, the first year we did it as just a private function. We had maybe 50 or 60 people. Uh, you know, we maybe raised a thousand bucks, um, and, and, and gave that over and had a great time. Everybody had a good time. We had, we had a vendor who, who, uh, was there and it all went pretty well. In fact, the same vendor that we had at the, that the World War II Museum had for their, its events. And so, uh, the second year and in subsequent years, we, we negotiated directly with the Battleship Texas Foundation. Uh, there was issues concern about insurance and did we have any as an organization and of course we don't so they managed to sponsor us and so we became just a fundraising element albeit minimal funds in the in the bigger picture for the battleship texas foundation so since 2011 we basically this, this will be the 10th year we've basically donated whatever we have left over after covering our costs to to the battleship texas foundation and it, you know we probably raised close to ten thousand dollars over over nine years um for them so it's it's by by no means a great deal of amount of money uh, i've always said that if there were me and four other guys who were willing to play on the texas for a weekend i would still do it even if nobody else wanted to to, to bear the mosquitoes and temperatures and whatever else <laughs> right or on a battleship just because it's a cool place to play so it, it became it's really become it's really become Houston Beer and Pretzel Wargaming. That's the name of the club. Houston Beer and Pretzel Wargaming's um, uh, big event of the of the year, so to speak. Um, so when we heard the Battleship Texas was uh, going to be shut down and being moved from renovations last year, we obviously lost our venue. So not wanting to give up completely, I punted around for an alternative venue, and and what I found was the Houston Maritime Museum was was open to us running the event there. Uh, it had to change in format a little bit. They wouldn't allow us to do certain things that we did aboard the ship, but we, the benefits were full air conditioning, which was nice and uh, you know, a comfortable environment. And, and again, kind of a cool place to, for, for guys to get together and, and gals to get together and play. And uh, what we did la last year was split the, the profit between the, Houston Maritime Museum and the Battleship Texas Foundation. Nice. And you know, it, it, the guys, the guys, the people that came, had a good time. We, we had a number of, uh, we had a number of uh, uh, visitors coming through the museum who, who participated or asked questions. We even, a couple of years ago on the Battleship Texas, started a root beer and pretzel session. So we started to bring together some um, kids games. So simple, simple toy soldier type games, Memoir 44. My son would come and run Memoir 44 right. for any, any, uh, younger visitor of the ship, uh, who would uh, come wander by and engage in get engaged. So, uh, we did that kind of thing. And over the years, uh, Houston beer and pretzel Wargaming has done other types of outreach, uh, for the 75th anniversary of D-Day, we volunteered to run some uh, demonstration games based around the Normandy invasion in, at, on board the ship before they closed a couple years ago for the 75th anniversary. So we were there the weekend of June 6th or whatever the, the, that celebratory weekend was running games. And, and then uh, also the Houston uh, Museum of Natural Science over the last several years has had exhibits like, you know, they have permanent exhibits like any other museum. And then they have uh, visiting exhibits that move on. And uh, one year when they, they, they uh, had a Battleship Texas exhibit. So I, I contacted the museum and I got a couple of volunteers and we set up a, a hypothetical eight, one 2400 scale battle between the Tirpitz and the Texas to see who would come out on top. And we set that up at the open, right in front of the Texas exhibit um, nice. That's at, pretty the Houston, cool. at the Houston Museum. And, and it, it, we, we've, We've coined that initiative as our uh, um, a war game in the museum, sort of as sort of a night in the museum kind of spin to it, but uh, play on a night in the museum. But it's a war game in the museum. So we've done um, the history of the Museum of Natural Science has had uh, they had a samurai exhibit where they had a bunch of swords and helmets and the the, the armor of the ancient samurai. So we we set up uh, Ronin, the uh, Osprey. That's pretty cool. Rules. 
<laughs> in front of that exhibit in 28 millimeter. They had a gladiator exhibit that, that many years ago, and we set up uh, uh, Jugula from uh, from the, the people that do Saga. Right, right. Uh, we played that game, and I uh, in front uh, another of game. I've a series of games I've avoided because I have no <laughs> desire to get into that many more armies. But yeah, I've I've, I've seen that in Saga both played that yeah. seemed pretty pretty cool. Yeah, and the other two ones we did is we did uh, the the last one we did well Sherlock. They had a Sherlock Holmes exhibit not too long ago, and uh, outside the Sherlock Holmes exhibit we had uh, In Her Majesty's Name. I set up a big game of In Her Majesty's Name, and we had Sherlock and Watson wandering around London, trying to solve a crime. Uh, and we in, had some of our gamers come to do it. We entertained a bunch of kids coming th- through the, the museum who wanted to check out the cool terrain. And uh, we, we got them to play a couple of rounds of the game. And so it was uh, it was really fun. And then one last thing that we they did was uh, there was an exhibit on, um, I can't remember the uh, the theme. I think it was just knights, knight, 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 yeah, the knights uh, in general. And so we did... Uh, Lea de la Guerra, de la Guerra, and we did uh, the War of the Roses in 15 millimeter. So you know that that's sort of our our little outreach that we do periodically. And then the last one we did was um, for uh, Veterans Day weekend last week, last year. We um, went to the Lone Star Flight Museum. And we ran a couple of uh, World War One and World War Two air games. We had uh, Wings of Glory. We ran Axis and Allies. Uh, uh, the the uh, was it Eagle Eagle Twenty or Eagle Twenty or whatever the uh, the Axis and Allies air game was uh, that uh, came out many years ago. And uh, we did some Checker Six. Um, so yeah. So really, this year with COVID, we've had to adapt in all kinds of ways. We celebrated our 10th anniversary as a club back in March at our last face-to-face game and at a cafe here in Houston called Tea and Victory, uh, a game cafe. And uh, once, once, the, you know, once April hit and we were all in lockdown, it was, uh, what do we do now? You know, I mean, a lot of us, a lot of people have been painting up a, a storm. Others have been, you know, doing other things. And we, and I, I haven't painted a single figure since April. Since uh, good. See, see, Steve, Trevor, stop judging me. <laughs> I've I've been organizing. That's what I've been doing. I haven't been painting. <laughs> I'm still going to judge you, regardless. Well, no, you're just gonna you're gonna paint my figures. That's what you're gonna do, Trevor. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I don't, throw money at me. I don't care. Exactly. Rob makes fun of me because one of our one of our uh, the point one of our non bylaw bylaws was that we weren't to allowed to bring unpainted minis to the table uh, to a game table and uh, he points at me every time he he quotes that that line in our non bylaw bylaws because I have a ten I've had a tendency to say I want to play this game I don't care if I've got black primed minis on the table I still want to just play so uh, and I'm not going to wait until I paint because I paint slowly. Yeah. You'll change your you'll change your tune when I show up with my googly eye Spitfires. Then, uh, <laughs> then we'll talk different. <laughs> yeah. So so for those who haven't seen, uh, I think Steve's googly eyed Spitfires, uh, done up by his uh, by his daughter, I, I think are pretty much the uh, the PhD resistance of uh, of what you bring to a tournament just to piss off your opponent. Oh, just wait till you see some of the stuff that's happening at my game club there, Doug. But, oh, um, I hope. Oh, I hope so. There may or may not be a Jurassic Park themed 262 squadron. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Leave it to you guys to just give the finger to all the historical guys with your uh, with your tournament uh, paint jobs. But that, I, I love it. I think it's hilarious. And guess what? I really don't care. Have fun. Play oh, the damn game. Oh, well, I mean, if you spend as much time painting minis as you do making memes to make fun of me, Doug, maybe you yeah, might actually have a squadron maybe finished. I- <laughs> Maybe I'd have stuff painted. Shut up, commission painter. Go back to painting. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. So, uh, so um, with the advent of COVID and and looking around, I it's uh, for the last year I've been running a a one night a month D and D fifth edition uh, uh, RP, uh, campaign, and I've been doing it on Roll Twenty and Discord. And I invested uh, some a couple years ago in Campaign Cartographer 3 to build the maps, which is a is a 
sticky wicket to get into in the first place as a as a piece of software. But once you get into it, it's not too bad. And so um, I had had a lot of experience then creating battle maps and things like that on, on working with uh, tokens in Roll20. And so with COVID, I looked around and said, you know, I don't want to stop playing. Uh, and, and then we can't play face to face. How can we leverage the technology as a software developer, you know, for 30 plus years, it's natural for me to go, well, how can I use our digital tools to bring the group together still? So I started to adapt some of our more, uh, our favorite, uh, miniature game systems to roll 20. Um, hadn't really looked at tabletop simulator. I mean, I knew about Vassal and I've, I've dabbled in Vassal a little bit, never never writing on a module or, or modifying a module, just playing some of the things that are out there. Um, I hadn't really looked at Tabletop Simulator or Tabletopia or anything like that um, because I World 20 was fitting the bill. Well, yeah, and and, and and we used the tools that we're comfortable with. Sure. You know, I, I'll be honest, I, I was no fan of Tabletop Sim when I first started fooling with it, but thankfully, at least compared to Vassal, I could, you know, kind of, beat my way through it and, and, and force the system to do what I wanted to do. Where with Vassal, I just, I got lost super quick. Um, and, and I laugh cause I I've looked at campaign cartographer for years and always thought how cool it is. And now that you tell me it's difficult, I'm like, well, maybe I'm glad I didn't invest in it, <laughs> but it makes such pretty maps. It does. It does. And, but you know, you know, the combination of, of I've probably don't tell my wife, I don't know how much money I've dropped on roll 20 marketplace graphics you know sprites and map oh, backgrounds yeah. oh yeah right and uh those whether i use them i mean I'll, i use them and i'll use them in my D D campaign i'll use them in campaign cartographer as graphic resources and i use them in in the miniature wargaming and so we had we started with uh we started with checker six uh, that was easy there was no map there was no map um and lately i've been doing maps by going to uh i work for a company that has uh called esri that has it's a gi so mapping company and we have uh, a tool that lets me, you know, go to, it's basically Google Earth, but it's it's our version. But it lets me go to a location and and without labels and, and, and a lot of other layers that would get in the way, um, zoom out and, and uh, to 20,000 feet or 30,000 feet. And then so I would take the, the screen grab, you know, of that area, size it for check your six and then import it into Roll20. So we're flying... The other day we we flew uh, in uh, the Arab-Israeli wars. We were over the Suez, and it was uh, it was mirages attacking the airfield there on the coast in Suez, out of uh, Star and Pyramid that, that era, and the the mirage the the Egyptian mirage planes that I found that I was using top downs for you you couldn't see them against the desert background. That's how good the camouflage was. Well, see, it worked perfectly then. <laughs> <laughs> it worked perfectly in Roll Twenty. You could see why the camouflage was so effective. Um, it was pretty funny that. Um, so we started with, uh, I started with Check Your Six. Then I went on to Battle Group. Um, then I've, we've, I've adapted uh, Congo. Um, uh, I've, we've adapted, uh, one, one of our members looked into What a Tanker. So we, we've done What a Tanker. Um, what else have we done? We've done Rommel by Sam Mustafa. Um so you know we've done we've done quite a bit now we have you know a stable of uh modules that we can use to uh to to play something different and and we of course the other thing about being virtual is we're playing with a larger group of people we've got people from other other cities who can join us now the the other beautiful thing about it is that you with virtual at least yeah it's not as good as face to face in many ways of course but with virtual, if you don't finish the game, the pub's not kicking you out, right, at eleven o'clock. So you have no, you don't have yeah, to pick up yeah. your toys and go home. You know, you can. Well, just, yeah, oh, and Rob's invited me to come next, observe. Next week. Yeah, to come observe some of your games, and it's just the the days of the week and everything fall at all the wrong times, and so uh, it's been frustrating that I haven't had a chance to to watch you guys use Roll Twenty, especially for Check Your Six, because um, people who listen to the podcast know that I own a lot of check your six source books and haven't actually played <laughs> so i need someone to to get me over that hurdle of learning how to play yeah well, i gotta well, tell you my favorite uh my favorite part of the online gaming i've observed a couple of their games and the great part about uh, the covid was you know oh don't worry about it keep on playing we're all working from home tomorrow no big deal <laughs> yeah exactly no one's worried about staying up late 
But, well, yeah, yeah, it's been funny a few times, though, that uh, because nobody's driving anywhere, there's more alcohol being consumed. So there's a lot, uh, a lot <laughs> exactly. more slurring, a lot more slurring of the rules. And, and, and suddenly Rob That's not the way it plays. <laughs> and I've been recording these sessions on OBS so and, oh, nice. and, and putting them up on YouTube. And there's a one point where Rob can't can't remember how to can't is asking for help uh, plotting an Immelman because he can't figure it out. Uh, <laughs> and, and the other night I was in the same boat with, in a, playing uh, the Checker Six game and uh, had a little too much to drink, so it's pretty funny. And Rob rightly points out too, you know, some of the we're like we've been working on the um, the uh, uh, breaking the Luftwaffe book, and we started the first mission in uh, the first scenario in, in a campaign they have in that book called Mission Two Fifty. Which is a, the mission to Berlin, and um, and I would actually, you know, it would it would say, oh, this is over uh, Lake Lake uh, whatever the lake is in Germany, and I would go, would use my software, I'd go to that lake in Germany, and I'd grab the farm fields over in an exact location and, and bring them in the roll twenties. It was kind of neat, um, but Rob rightly points out there are some of these uh, scenarios that take eighteen B-17s on the table, you know, and half a dozen uh, yep. P-47s, and uh, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I I have a lot of unpainted lead and painted lead, but I don't have 18 B-17s. No, none of us do. Even well, that, that's what we, we usually uh, sucker Brett into uh, whatever the campaign is, because that's how we ended up with three painted B-29s and just about every 109 that ever flew over Malta being painted. <laughs> right. So it's like there's some of these scenarios that you just probably wouldn't – nobody – one person would invest the money to, to have exactly. all those figures. So. This is a perfect kind of scenario to run virtually because you just copy and paste as many B-17s as you want. Sure, the camels all look the same. You know, the paint jobs are all the same. So it's not as aesthetically pleasing, but hey. Um, so so that's what we've been doing, you know, is switching to virtual. And I think even after COVID is over and, and when we happily resume to face-to-face play, we will probably have one night a month because that's we're all family men. We all have you know, significant others who pretty much, you know, issue kitchen passes, uh, sparingly. And so one night a month was, you know, I know a lot of guys who would get together one night a week or several nights a week at a, at a retail store or a clubhouse somewhere or somebody's place. And, uh, that's difficult for some, many of us. So one night a month was what we could muster. And, but I think that we'll, we've been doing it every Thursday night now, uh, not just once a month, but pretty much every Thursday night now is just virtual night. But I think once COVID is done, we'll go back to doing one face-to-face night a month at Tea at Victory, and we'll probably do, you know, like the first Thursday of the month, and the third Thursday of the month, we'll probably do a virtual night, just because we can. Right, right. We've well, enjoyed I, it, because we've enjoyed it. And I'll tell you, for like... Steve and Brett, they're playing all the time, doing an entire campaign virtually with Tabletop Sim. Uh, and, it, and it gives people a chance to play at the odd hours and not have to drive anywhere, you know, just be able to knock out a quick game uh, after the kids are in bed and, every, and the wife's watching TV. <laughs> you can uh, you can get a quick hour of Blood Red Skies or whatever done. And, and to me, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see um, how how gaming, in a sense, quote, goes back to normal, because I think... A lot of people are going to be hankering for a virtual experience that fits their convenience, but then their um, their uh, kind of capstone will be to actually play games face to face when they can and when schedules and, and everything permit. Oh, definitely. You know, I, I've said the whole time it's you know it sounds like a broken record, but one really does feed the other, right? So you never lose that desire to paint the model and have the tactile model in your hand and meet with your buddies and joke around with them and then get in the car and drive back home with your little toys in your box. Right. But the, the virtual and the online stuff really just drives you to want to do that face to face stuff even more, you know, it just constantly is feeding. One is constantly feeding the other. Yeah. Yeah, uh, On the opposite side of that whole thing, like I haven't done any virtual, but all my games have been in person. I mean, Florida, it's, We've been kind of fascinated. Florida's running around licking alligators, doing whatever they want. <laughs> you guys have the most in-person gaming of anyone. <laughs> Pretty much. But, I mean, wish the, I mean, we haven't done, like, any huge events. But, I mean, all our tables are pretty much spaced out. And everyone's still kind of cognizant of it all. But we've also kind of like, eh, well, let's... I mean, there's a bunch of nerds there and nerd flu and all that kind of crap. And I have enough 
vaccines in my body from the Marine Corps that I'm pretty sure I'm okay. Yeah, I was about to say, I think you and, and Chris and I and Brett have probably been uh, shot up with enough stuff that <laughs> there's probably some weird side effect with that in COVID. But you know, the, the funny thing is, uh, I think there's a lot of people that enjoy the in-person um, that that sometimes find there is an equivalent of that with a consistent play uh, via virtual. And, and I'll tell you, that was the cool thing with um, Brett and I knocking out a couple games where you, you get to have that same kind of experience, but you're not necessarily around the same table. Um, but I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be an interesting balance to see what people want to do. Um, I know for myself, I just want this stupid move to be over so I can unpack everything so I can decide, do I want to paint my models or do I want to play tabletop sim? Because uh, right now I'm pretty much in a virtual only world. We know that answer, Doug. Don't don't try to shit us. <laughs> I actually want to paint. I actually felt bad when I, I took my paints out of the U-Haul trailer and stuck them in my storage unit. Realized that I wasn't going to see them for another month at least. So that's all right. Whatever. Maybe I'll have a gaming room when I uh, get the uh, the new house there. So we'll see. You know, I haven't been I haven't been that driven to paint obviously lately. However, that's uh, well for the most part, but that's actually changed a little bit of late because uh, I'll get on. To, let me get on to here in a minute the the saga of how we connected up with uh, Board Game Geek. But looking thinking about what to run at Board Game Geek and looking at uh, Tabletop Simulator a little more and Tabletopia and Vassal, there's uh, there are a couple of certain certainly cool looking tabletop uh, tabletop simulator uh, implementations that make me want to to paint again um a guy with a handle of cyrano has done a lot of blucher and command and colors napoleonics using um pretty beautiful 3d toy soldier miniatures you know yeah there there are some detailed yeah. renderings out there yeah. on tabletop sim that yeah. I'm, I'm pretty impressed with and, it, and it's kind of funny because the community that i'm kind of a refugee from the 40k and heresy community uh, a lot of people have gone to tabletop sim as a way to try all their competitive lists because now they can get together with their buddies they can pick exactly whatever armies they don't have to worry oh crap my buddy doesn't have tyranids or my buddy doesn't have you know imperial guard uh, they can play against those other armies and they can try out their competitive lists so when they do get to go to an actual physical event they are that much more prepped and that much more uh, prepared for for actually uh, what the, how their list is going to perform and the nice thing is, with most of the models being pretty high res nowadays, uh, it looks pretty cool to play. And it's not necessarily like pushing colored blocks around a, a table and trying to remember which one are your Tyranids, which one are your Zoanthropes, and all those other things. <laughs> Whatever, forty k. With, with uh, your playtesting you've been doing for you know Vietnam and stuff, I think that I mean tabletop sim has been a huge help for that. I can imagine. I mean. So yeah, it, well, it, it has, because the nice thing is we haven't had to buy and paint and build up all these miniatures, and and it's a real easy way for us to try stuff with people in the UK, people all over the US. I don't have to sit there and wait for the next time I can put together a local playtesting group. I can just call people up and say, hey, we changed the rules again for the 35th damn time. Uh, <laughs> let's try the new iteration of the rules to see how it plays. Well, Andy, one one question I wanted to kind of cover for y'all's gaming group and, and the things that you've done. Uh, what are really the the big games you guys focus on? We know, or I should say, I know you guys uh, because of Check Your Six, because Rob is always trying to drag me into Check Your Six games uh, that I always seem to find an excuse uh, why not to uh, why not to be a part of. What are some of the other really big ones that you guys play recurringly on your on your monthly gatherings, or used to, I should say, uh, before the pandemic hit? I'd say the the biggest one that, that kind of uh, well we used to, well there was a long time ago when many of us played Flames of War we've given up on that but now we have 15 millimeter armies and a lot of a lot of them that we want to we want to use again uh, and continue using uh, and not have to rebase it we don't have to so we got heavily into battle group battle group Kursk, battle group right. market garden uh, which allows us to use our basically. Uh, uh, we have to we have to play games with that. We can use our our Flames of War based figures, but we uh, so we do it in 15 millimeter. But we we have to mark casualties with uh, you know blood drop markers or some sort of hit marker or, or a small die on the next to the stand because we're not removing individual figures and we have multiple figures on a base. Um, another one that we played a lot of is Rommel by Sam Mustafa. We played a couple several of those uh, scenarios. Um, including a, a virtually, but also uh, on the tabletop. Uh, again, because it's a Flames of War based uh, uh, figure, we haven't just limited ourselves to um, we haven't limited ourselves to uh, historics. 
there's one thing because we've been doing it for 10 years as a club uh, missing the occasional month because vacations you know summertime we don't play maybe not uh, don't have an august game because not enough people want to get together or something like that but we always have some themes months so the march mark the very very first event the very first march that we played in 2011 at, at a different venue in houston we played aeronef which was a victorian science fiction flying ship game oh yeah right? oh yeah quite right? familiar okay yeah steve Blease from the uk so wrote uh, uh aeronef aquanef yep land ironclad you know all those games um well, uh, subsequently, uh, Robin Fitton, who I think has written Grunts and uh, other rule systems in the UK, wrote Imperial Skies a couple years ago. Right. So Imperial right. Skies was more a little bit more Chrome thrown into that Victorian science fiction, using the same uh, line of models that Brigade uh, models. Yep, Brigade do. models does brigade a models great line of uh, Tony Francis. Yeah, Tony Francis's Brigade models. I guess they do hammer slammers uh, in in various scales. And the they one... do uh, <clears throat> Squadron Commander reheat. Yeah, again, co-designed yeah. by Doug Glover. No big deal. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I love their and I love their I love their two millimeter terrain. They, they've got yes. some great oh, yeah. two millimeter terrain. Yep. You know. So so um, so we do we play so every March we have an Imperial Skies game or we have some. And we have a, you know, we have a imagination. So uh, many years ago, uh, 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 Brian Catwell, who uh, used to live and work in College Station, uh, has moved on to Virginia. He and Rob and others would, uh, between the, the three big cities here in Texas, would, would get together and they'd run periodically a game, usually AK-47 based. Uh, it was always set in, in, in imagination in, in, in war-torn Africa called Elbonia, kind of based on, you know, tongue-in-cheek based on the Dilbert Elbonia right, right. that, that, that you, everybody's familiar with. And uh, the big birthday bash was a giant table done in 50mm with a modified AK-47. It was President Robert Wubaki's birthday. And of course, Rob played <laughs> President Wubaki. Yes. And so there was the Vienna Boys Choir flew in for the for the birthday parade but, or something, but it wasn't obviously... The plane was obviously not full full of the Vienna Boys Choir. It was some other terrorist. You know that was their cover. Um, anyway, it was a madcap uh, free for all in a, with AK-47. And so that I you know I, I I was unlucky enough not to be in the group when that game took place, but it sounded so much fun. And when I read about it, I said, let's continue this monthly, you know, let's continue this saga, uh, this imagination. So in March. In March we do Imperial Skies, but in June, because Rob's birthday is the, uh, in, the, in the, the second half of June, the first Thursday night in June we always do something in Elbonia. It could be AK-47, it could be Force on Force, it could be. It's varied from 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 uh, system to system. It just depends on whoever wants to run. You know, we set up the calendar, and, and somebody says, "Well, you know, Rob and I run a lot of the games, but we've had a number of of club members step up and say, "Hey, I'll run." water tanker or i'll run um you know wings of glory or i'll do something so you know march we've always done imperial skies june we always do something in elbonia um in november we try and do a war an homage to world war one with uh you know wings of glory um and in december we've generally done a bulge game and that bulge game has been uh battle group or rommel or um uh combat patrol if we want to go real skirmish I think bolt action at one point. So we're all kind of all over the map. Uh, uh, there was a time when uh, a year or so ago where Rob said, because he was, we've gotten really heavily into battle group that we tried to get three, you know, out of a 12 month uh, year, we try and get three or four battle group games in. What's tough though, you know, with, uh, you know, our rules are, it's gotta be simple. It's gotta be fast. It's gotta be fun preferably one page of rules or at least a quick reference card that could be in one or two pages because you're, you're oftentimes you're teaching a new system to somebody with a beer in their hand. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, and you have four hours I mean, well, before COVID we had four hours, you know, from seven to 11 and then, and then the venue was closing and kicking us out. Yeah. So we had to well, keep it. And I'll tell you, I'm super something. jealous about this because one of the guys I've followed for years Paul Ward over in the UK, uh, the guy that runs uh, Metakishi's Tea House, uh, he does this all the time, and he does one-off games and one-off 
uh, scenarios, and it'll be like, um, you know, the raid on Entebbe, it'll be, you know, or some some random thing that he just has a desire to build terrain for. And that's what always drives his games. And it's so funny because I, I just opened up his website, um, and he's done the same kind of thing where he's like, uh, okay, so... So what do I do if I've got to do camels and I'm not doing Sudan anymore, you know, or says I want to do outlaws, but what if I want to add, you know, a Halloween theme to it? Uh, and, and he just gets together and the guys have a bunch of fun with some real simple rules, uh, some really cool miniatures and cool terrain. And, and I'm, I'm jealous of people that get to do all that fun. Yeah, I mean, that sounds great, but uh, if I was in a group like that, I don't know where I'd hide all my new miniatures. I'd be coming home with, uh, you know, 14 different systems yeah, every yeah. year to be, See, get that's, pretty That's ugly, the pretty beauty quick. of Paul Ward and how he does it. <laughs> Apparently, his friends sucker him into doing the terrain and the miniatures, and they just show up and play. I'm like, that's genius. <laughs> yeah, I mean, most of most of the time, most of the time, one of us will will volunteer to run something, and and there we know that we know there's a, re, a pool of resources that we can pull call on and if i'm short a few shermans i will ask around hey can i borrow some of this can i borrow some of that whatever you know we we played cruel seas uh, i don't know if you guys saw the 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 tony friend tony franciscus movie hellboats it's like the only we're, 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 the only hollywood movie ever made about e-boats and and and, and uh, vospers and you know motor torpedo boats during world war 2 called hellboats and uh, there was a fictitious, you know, a, fic a fictional attack on uh, the harbor of Augusta in Sicily by this American-led British naval force of a couple of MTBs. They capture an e-boat. They use it as a Trojan horse to get into the harbor, and they shoot the harbor up and, and destroy the, the flying bombs that the Germans are keeping in the U-boat pen there. I turned it into a Cruel Seas scenario, which was a hoot, and ran it. Um, ran it at broadside and then uh, and ran it at one of our meetings but we, you know one of us will will pick a theme or pick a rule system and oftentimes that person will pretty much bring everything to the table figure wise and, and terrain wise um you know, again with with minor exceptions we just expect guys to show up and we'll teach the rules and and, it, and that and that's like i said that's that's a that's great because you get to play something new every time and right. It's, right but it's also painful because we can't get good at anything when you, if you don't repetitively play it, you know, he's like, we'll play a system. And then six months later, we might play it again. And we go, well, how did we play that? I mean, can somebody remind me what the rules are? Because we're not playing it week after week after week. I mean, you guys play, you know, Blood Red Skies all the time. You, you, I'm sure nobody has to look up a rule. Well, maybe occasionally. But, <laughs> you, you assume know. we're actually good at the game just because we do the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I figure you're good at the game because you play a lot. <laughs> now, you know, you never have to look up a rule because none of us know it. You just take whatever the other person says and that's yeah, the rule. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That sounds good. Sure. Outmaneuver, 12 inches, whatever. Yeah, not so just much. Just roll dice. Just roll D6. Yeah, exactly. And that I think that was my uh, my final in brief at the tournament was, look, guys, just agree between yourselves and roll a die, because if you have to come to my table, it's the dice of justice and they won't work in your favor. <laughs> All right. So let's take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we will talk about the Board Game Geek at home and your partnership with them and what uh, Texas Broadside is doing later this fall. Okay, and we're back. So, Andy, tell us about how Texas Broadside decided to partner with Board Game Geek at Home in that event. Absolutely. So, uh, normally with a Texas Broadside, which is normally slated for an October timeframe, back in April, uh, I am you know six months out. I'm starting to solicit uh, G, uh, game hosts, guys to to run games. Obviously. As the, the principal organizer of this event I, and, and a runner of a number of games, I can't run games every session because I have to run registration. It's limited as it is, and I have to do this and do that. So I've got to rely on the help from other club members to run games. And, and when you're ever, if, if you, I don't know if you guys have ever organized a gaming event, but if you, you know, you're always worried about, uh, am I going to have enough events for the people that want to play, or, or am I going to have too many events and I'm going to have disappointed G, uh, game hosts because their games don't make? And it's that balancing act, and it's so so far uh, worked out pretty well. I mean, occasionally, obviously, games don't make, and but we're, we're very rarely have we ever 
in fact, I've never had a situation really in the 10 years that we've run it, nine years, where somebody has said, I just, everything's full. I've got, I can't play. I've paid it. I can't play. So back in April, you know, COVID was just getting started. So I kind of sat on planning and said, well, I know I've got the dates, but I hadn't picked a venue yet. I, I, I could have gone back to the Maritime Museum uh, like last year. I had looked at the Lone Star Flight Museum, which I thought was a better venue given our experience last November. So I was very much toying with the idea and had actually started talking to the Lone Star Flight Museum um, about using them as a venue because I thought figured that the, there would give me some of the things I'd lost at the Maritime Museum uh, last year. And so as COVID had, has progressed and, had, and as the, our virtual experience gotten better, and I've seen other events go virtual, um, including board game, Ge uh, including board game geeks, uh, springtime event. So my wife and I, my wife's not a war gamer, but she is an avid strategy board gamer. So we have a, in addition to my loft here with tons of miniatures and board war games, we have a, a room in our house with hundreds of uh, euros and Amera trash board games. Um, and so we, that would sounds go, horrible. What a yeah, terrible, terrible place, terrible, terrible, terrible relationship. My wife and I have. And so we, uh, she wins all the time. So, but that's okay. Um, so we have been going to Board Game Geek, uh, Board Game BGG Con. Um, first, we went uh, a number of times in, in, for their November event, which is was four or five days in in Dallas every year in November, usually the right before Thanksgiving, uh, the weekend before Thanksgiving. And we we went happily go uh, in November, uh, which was adults only. They wouldn't allow kids. And then um, uh, when our when our daughter was born, um, and and we we kind of lost uh, one of our uh, a family member, uh, her grandmother. So we did, we lost a babysitter. We ended up having to not go in November, and then fortunately they started up do, started doing a board game geek, and a board a BGG con in uh, Memorial Day weekend, which was a family event. So a couple years ago we started taking our teenage son, and uh, left the, our daughter behind with with family. And uh, got really indoctrinated in Board Game Geek, and, and of course, play a lot of board games, so we're familiar with the website and all of that. So as I saw, and, and I'm I'm a nervous Nelly when it comes to COVID. I mean, I'm pretty freaked out about you know I've got high blood pressure. I'm 56. You know what? Will I will I be one of the unlucky ones if I get sick? You know. Um, so I and I and I well I'll be happy to wear a face mask. It's not a political thing to wear or not wear a face mask with me it's more comfort uh, you know i don't i just don't want to be you know uh feel suffocating uh, behind a face mask for all day playing games even if it means playing games so i i thought well we can't do a face-to-face -face broadside this year so what am i going to do well um as i was developing this these virtual gaming talents and, ex and experiences I saw other conventions um, go virtual, and Rob pointed out one or two of them to me, and I said, do you want to help out this virtual con? And I said, sure. And so we ran uh, we ran a, you know, a game of uh, Check Your Six, I think, for one of the virtual cons and had a couple of people that we'd never met before join. And so that was pretty successful. And so when uh, BGG, when Board Game Geek Spring uh, was canceled, and instead they did something online, they bought uh, uh, tabletop events. And tabletop events, I guess, is an online system for scheduling an event, right? handling the finances of the event. Because um, all that back end, it makes everything right. so wonderful, which right. I don't know and, why I didn't use it for other events. <laughs> right, and tabletop events was designed originally for face-to-face -face cons and just ticket, ticket purchases and pro transactions and scheduling. Um, and, you know, when you pay a certain small percentage of each ticket sale to them to cover the co their costs or to, to, to give them, you know, to make it lucrative for them. Um, and so when, when board game geek, uh, did their event uh, to replace their spring event, they announced they were, they had bought tabletop events and, and we're going to modify it. And, uh, I was following that and I, I've, I'm a Facebook user. I don't know if you guys use Facebook, but I'm a Facebook user. And I found Facebook to be really helpful in building relationships and making friends with people who don't even, haven't even met me, uh, particularly game designers. And so I, you know, Scott Alden, 
who runs Board Game Geek. I've met him a number of times and said hello and thank you for a great event at Board Game Geek. And then I friended him on Facebook and he accepted. Wow. This, this Scott Alden accepted me as a friend. And so I, I get these up, up updates and I one day I was just bold and I IM'd him. I instant messaged him on Facebook and I said, hey, Scott, you know, I see you acquired tabletop events. You know, uh, I'm thinking about doing this Texas broadside uh, and I described it to him. And I said, would, you know, would tabletop events be something we could leverage or use? Um, what do you think? And he came back half an hour later and said, would you like to run broadside as part of BGG's November? <laughs> nice, nice. And I'm, I'm like, <laughs> is that, you know, and I'm like, huh, is that possible? So he, he in turn connected me to Jeff Anderson, who's, Jeff is their event coordinator, I guess. And he and Jeff has been setting up, ta taking tabletop events and, just a few weeks ago, they made the formal announcement for this BGG at home, which happens to be, um, you know, the same weekend uh, that they normally have, the 18th through the 22nd of November, that they would normally have their big event in, in uh, Dallas. And the people who had paid to attend in Dallas have been given free passes for this event. $10 That's pretty is, cool. is the starting fee. And for that $10, you get access to the Tabletop Topia scheduling system. And you get, uh, I think they've struck a deal with Tabletopia. And say, so they you get a premium Tabletopia license for five days. Oh, nice. If you want to use cool. all the, you want to play all the Tabletopia stuff. Um, and uh, so I talked to Jeff. I made a pitch. I sent an email to both of them telling them about Broadside and about our goals. And saying, hey, I would love to be able to donate whatever we might make from somehow some percentage to battleship texas oh knowing that i'm this small fry and these guys are board game geek <laughs> right. and they're running a con that will have thousands and thousands and maybe even more than that probably more than that because it's virtual but but not virtual is not for everybody you know so it's a you know, it, well, you know, and, and so, so it may hold be that really thought small, there. Maybe a small turnout. That's that's what I'm curious because I've always treated um, Board Game Geeks event as, as kind of a large event, and yeah. the funny thing for me is having used um, tabletop events for a number of things and watching sometimes how slow it is to pick up people purchasing seats or signing up for games. I'm sitting here looking at it and going, "Wait a minute, we're a month out and." Nobody's signed up for some of these games. And it's funny to see the ones that are already full. So there, there are some that are already full, sold out. Um, and then there's a lot that still don't have um, everybody signed up for, which is actually kind of good for me because there's a couple of them, like Planet Unknown and some other things that, that I've always kind of wondered about and wanted to play. And right now it's, you know, five of five seats uh, are open. <laughs> so I'm like, excellent. Well, the really, the, the real I'll be able to get in there. The real funny thing about this is, of course, BG, the Board Game Geek, uh, the BGG cons, I, I don't know, um, I don't know, Doug, if you've if actually attended the face-to-face -face con, but the, no, the cons... No, no, never have. The cons themselves generally don't have scheduled events. They're not like, it's not like going to Origins or Gen Con, where, right. where, where events are scheduled and you and you show up to play in something and register for it. In, B, in, in, the, board, in the BGG cons, it's just a library of 5,000 board games. It, or, and you go in and you check out what you want to play, and then you put up a sign that says, I need a player. If you haven't come to the con with a click of friends and family who are who you know are going to play in everything you want to play in, or, you know, you're holding up signs that say, I need a player. I need players. And it's really a great a great opportunity to socialize and meet new people, right? And, and play with different faces. I mean, I can play with my wife uh, in a game, but we've if we've played it before. Uh, I know what she's going to do. You know, you get to you get the point where you know what your opponent's going to how they're going to play if they if you play frequently with them. But playing with new people is always kind of nice. It's different. But this is different because how do you do pickup games virtually? It you you go into a Discord conference room and say, hey, anybody want to play something? I mean, that's the kind of equivalent of what you do face to face. So yeah, I don't well, know sometimes the the whole cacophony of everybody trying to do that pickup game uh, via Discord. I, I've seen it uh, where it doesn't work well, where it's tough, and everybody's trying to you know have their messages seen by everybody else, and then peel off and go out into the into the separate rooms for uh, each of the games. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. I, I'm really, uh, really curious and really uh, excited to, to try it out. Yeah. So yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it's it's 
it's going to be our 10th event. I obviously, I, I could have just postponed or canceled Texas Broadside this year. Uh, would have been fully justified in doing so and had our 10th event next year. And, and I, of course, I had bigger plans for our 10th and was wanted to make it a big thing. Um, but at the same time, I hated to skip a year. And I thought, well, I've got these skills for virtual gaming. And, and not only that, but I thought this was an opportunity to leverage the relationship and maybe help promote. Look, I'm promoting Texas Broadside and Houston Beer and Pretzel Wargaming in a podcast that before you guys wouldn't have known anything about it. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. Because, you know, you know Rob so, was holding out. Rob was not sharing the info because, you know, we're not Texas guys. So therefore, he's not going to tell us about all your cool events. <laughs> well, the the good thing is, so if, if people want to see what's going on, so before people might say, how the heck do I find out? Do I even want to buy a badge? What do I want to do? Um, it's it, it's super easy to figure out. So um, I, I laugh that, that Tabletop Events is one of those websites that may not look like it's... Uh, you know, super, super high tech. It's super fancy. Uh, you go to tabletop.events. Yes, yes. It's a very difficult uh, website to remember. Don't worry. It'll be in the show notes. It'll be in the link. Um, but if you go there, you can then search for individual conventions. You can click on those and it will show all the different conventions that are going on. Uh, and you can always just type in BGG search and BGG at home comes up and you can click on it. Now, uh, there are a million different games on here that are at least already set to be scheduled, which I think is pretty cool. Um, but if if people are really looking to find your games, you guys actually have a separate tag that you guys are all fit under on this whole schedule, right? Right, right. So the way, so the, the deal we struck was that what was most uh, efficacious, I guess, for BGG, for Board Game Geek as well, and works for us, was that it was suggested that there would be a dedicated track of events uh, so when you go to look at the schedule or you go to uh, uh, host a game, if you wanted to host a game, um, you could you, you pick the event type. There's board game, you know, there's board games, there's RPGs, there's panel discussions or and there's war games. And then at the bottom of the list, there's WG war game colon Texas broadside. So you can filter the schedule um, by by type and you can just pick texas broadside and you can see just our events and the deal is you pay the ten dollars to attend if you host a game uh then that ten dollars is waived so you know you guys doug you hosted you hosted the game you obviously got a, a message that said yeah you get yep. ten yep. ten dollar weekend little, pass yep so they give you a little weekend go. pass and everything right right and you could upgrade that for the other bits and pieces but Basically, uh, we're our, on our track. Our track are the only events that are being charged additional fees of $1 per hour. So if I schedule a four-hour war game, check your six, and I say it's, uh, it's going to be from one to one to five, um, you know, it's a four-hour game, then that's going to be $4. So more like the Origins or Gen Con model, where if you sign up to play in that game, it's going to bill you $4. No. Well, all of that four dollars is going to go to the Battleship Texas Foundation. So whatever, whatever per hour ticket sales we get from that track of events, all that I'm sure it's not going to amount to a whole lot, but it's better than you know a, a, a hole in the head. I mean, it's going to be something. And well, uh, and, as I uh, even joked when uh, my photography workshops uh, worked with. Uh, all the aircraft, all the C-47s for the D-Day squadron going across the Atlantic for uh, the celebration for D-Day. Uh, we didn't donate a ton of money after the end of the photo workshop, but we probably gave them enough to buy some beer once they landed in England. Maybe. So <laughs> you might not be buying a new hull for the uh, USS Texas, but you probably bought some beer for the workers. There you go. You know, every little bit adds up, right? It's it's a it few does. dollars, Absolutely. A few dollars here, a few dollars there, and that's that's your typical donation pattern, right? You get enough of those donations, and it adds up. So, uh, and, and this is this is a trial. This is an experiment for 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 Board Game Geek. It's an experiment for us, and, uh, and well, th- we're going to have fun. We're going to have fun well. doing it. We're I mean, you, you guys already have some events that um, that have most of their seats taken, or a good percentage of their seats taken, which is good. Um, I, the funny thing for me is I sit there and I look at it and I go, wow, I, I actually am going to have to block out more time than just the, the hosting that I'm doing. Cause Wednesday night, obviously just teaching a quick intro to blood red skies on tabletop sim. And hopefully, uh, I'll sucker Steve into helping out with that one, uh, so that we can demo some of that. But then Saturday night, at least for the blood red skies players is our big event, our battle of Malta. 
doing that at uh, 6 p.m. Central. So I think that's going to be fun. Uh, we only have three hours because, once again, we had to fit in with everybody else's schedule. Uh, so so we are a little time constrained. But, you know, I, I think it's, it's going to be fun to get a bunch of people together to play with that map, use the miniatures uh, and the figures that we have in Tabletop Sim for it, uh, and use a bunch of the cards and hopefully not have Rob shoot me down horribly like last time. So. Definitely. <laughs> Come out for the Malta game. You know, it's going to be great. It's a great map to play uh, multiple people with one or two airplanes on, you know, kind of. Yeah, Steve, you, you were in it last time where, was, where everybody I had was. like two airplanes and, and got a big 8v8 going on. Yeah, it's a it's a great map for that with that bigger map. And it really, like you're saying, you uh, Houston Beer and Pretzels, you really facilitate the group gaming and everybody big multiplayer games. The Malta map on Blood Red Skies is, is perfect for that. And we even played like that at uh, Real Life Gathering of Eagles as well. You know, it's just it's a great scenario-wise yeah. yeah. and target-wise and ground attack-wise. just a great map for that. And I wanted, to I wanted to just highlight a few of the events, too, that are on the schedule. Uh, we're trying to do, uh, you know, there, there, there are these tools, suite of tools like Roll20 and Vassal and, you know, that people have to use to do virtual gaming. And so we found that we spent, a, we, we, when we run these weekly games and we have, sometimes we have the same, often we have the same gamers show up. Sometimes we'll have new, a new face show up for a, for a week. And you've got to spend a half an hour to an hour teaching them how to use Roll20 or teaching them how to use the UI, the, the interface. And that slows the, the thing down. So we decided to throw in a you know roll twenty one hundred one class and a and a vassal one hundred one. So in those sessions, I hope to show people how to use the tools so that won't bog down those other games where they have to use the tools in in play. And then we're going to do a two hundred one because of course vassal and roll twenty can be enhanced. You could build. We're right. going to show how we how we take how we take uh, uh, GIMP as a graphics editor. And how we take in a, a top-down view of an aircraft or a ship, and we make it the surrounding area transparent, and we import it into Roll20, and what the things you can do to play with it in Roll20 to give it attributes and make it invisible and all kinds of things. So, and the same thing with Vassal, how you modify a module. Uh, another thing I want to highlight is that, again, leveraging some of my Facebook contacts, I've reached. I, again, this could be international. Uh, this event. So I've managed to reach out to Facebook contacts who are game designers and gotten them to agree to join me in a panel discussions or interview, like much like this. So we have Sam Mustafa, uh, who is a designer of Rommel and Blucher and LaSalle. Right, right. And he's uh, you know, a Facebook friend of Rob and I. He's been great at answering questions about the, his games when we pose them. And I, I just, I, I, I've been at, trying to get him to come to Texas Broadside, um, and it just hasn't worked out as a, as a, as a, as a professor or instructor. He just can't make the time, but he could do it virtually. And so he's been gracious enough to offer to answer questions and, and be interviewed for an hour and talk about his, his games. And then just recently, I was excited to get uh, Craig Cartmel, uh, again, of the Intermajesty's name, Richard Clark from Two Fat Lardies. Um, uh, Andrea Sifagloy, I'll probably uh, murder that name, who uh, is uh, Ganesha Games, and then Simon Miller, who does uh, To the Strongest, the, the, the Ancients rule set. Those four are in Europe, and they've agreed to spend an hour Saturday afternoon talking to us and uh, answering questions, and so it should be a rip-roaring conversation. And we're working on some other uh, special guests uh, as part of the track. And then the other thing is, I've started to dabble. I'm a, I've, I've owned Command & Colors Napoleonics, but haven't played a game, but I've stickered a bunch of blocks. And, um, and I, as I said, looking at Tabletop Simulator, I've kind of fallen in love with some of Cyrano's work. So we're going to run Memoir 44 using his Arnhem setup in Tabletop Simulator, and, and we're going to run some Command & Colors Napoleonics. That's pretty uh, cool. Just because it's a, I mean, who doesn't? Who doesn't agree that that rule system, uh, that family of games, is isn't easy to pick up and, and play and uh, kind of perfect for, you know, beer and pretzel virtual gaming? Well, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm really excited to uh, to participate and be part of it. I know uh, Steve and I have set aside some time uh, to make sure that we can host and run some of the games, uh, and and we'll see how the scheduling goes because I'd love to be able to sneak in a little bit more. A tabletop sim somewhere in there, but seeing all the other cool things that are going on, I, I don't want to overload my own schedule because I want to participate in some of the other games and, and some of the other uh, events. Because you guys aren't the only ones doing seminars. So there's there's a lot of other seminars going on out there. 
uh, pretty much anything in any style of board game or uh, miniatures game, there's there's stuff going on uh, with that for this uh, BGG online. And so I think it's going to be pretty fun to be a part of it. We've been talking for about an hour, so uh, rather than continue wasting our listeners' time talking about a cool event that they're all thinking, "Hey, we're not going to be there." We've got, I've got plans that weekend. I've got, I've got to go to the lake. Um, no excuse, not, <laughs> not no excuse not to dial up uh, and and participate. You, you don't have you don't have to spend any gas money. Everybody's internet's already paid for. There's no excuse for attending not attending this event. Exactly, and for ten bucks, I mean, just to get in the door uh, virtually, uh, and then be able to uh, to attend a lot of the events and go to see what's going on. Heck, just to even jump into the Discord chat, you know, it's worth it for that to be able to to see what's going on and see what cool information is being put out. Steve, did you have any last minute questions before we sign off? I didn't. You know, it was really thorough. I'm, I'm same thing. I'm excited for the event. Uh, I think it's going to be. Great for a lot of games. I know there's a lot of stuff that uh, I'd like to experiment with. Finally, hopefully, get to learn those rules to check your six a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I think it'll be a good weekend. Trevor, anything uh, as our non-virtual gamer of the group? No, just uh, it seems like a really cool event. If I can even just dial into the Discord or something, that'd be pretty cool. But, you know, sounds like you guys got things pretty locked down. And uh, look forward to, to the after-action report on that. Yeah, yeah, it should be fun. Uh, Andy, any last-minute thoughts you want to leave us with? Uh, things for the uh, for the event. I would just love to thank you guys. Uh, you're very gracious for supporting us and being willing to run your your stuff. I know nobody really has to uh, uh, run run their games, uh, which they probably run uh, all the time, uh, given our we're all being locked down. So that you were willing to run it uh, as part of the track. Yeah, we really appreciate it. And I really appreciate the opportunity you've given me here today to to promote it and talk a little bit about it. And uh, thanks, thanks a lot, guys. We look forward to seeing you and, and hopefully uh, playing some more together. Absolutely, absolutely. We're looking forward to it. So if, if everyone uh, missed that earlier, all you have to do to, is go to tabletop.events, look at their list of conventions, and search for BGG. You could type that in. It'll bring up the BGG at Home Convention. Click on that, and it will take you straight to their uh, listing and to their schedule, and you can start uh, picking and choosing what you want to attend and sign up for a badge there. I'd also like to encourage everyone to jump out on uh, Facebook, on Instagram, leave us some comments. Uh, we've been uh, throwing a few images out this week, not near as much hobby progress as uh, in some past weeks. So we're starting to dig back into the archives and uh, pull out some of the Gathering of Eagles games and some of the photos of all the miniatures and everything that went on there. Uh, but uh, we really appreciate people commenting on that and giving their feedback as well as giving us ideas for future episodes. Yeah, Thanks for your, listening. Yeah, if any, oh, oh, I was going to say, if any of your listeners uh, are interested in any of the things we're doing in Houston, are where you can find us at beerandpretzelwargaming.com and txbroadside.com um, for more information. Absolutely. So we'll go out and look at those websites. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.